The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily After midweek drama in the Premier League, will this weekend live up to the billing? Two huge games in the race for Champions League football next season as Chelsea hosts Tottenham in a London derby, which has got all the ingredients to be an absolute cracker. Plus, David Moyes returns to Old Trafford with West Ham United. Can the Hammers continue that top four tilt at the expense of a Manchester United side who have still only lost once under interim boss Ralph Rangnick? That's the landscape in the context of the tussle for the top four. It's a picture that Everton will have wanted to be a part of at the start of the season, but it's fair to say things haven't exactly gone to plan at Goodison Park. Benitez was given the boot and the Toffees' search continues for Rafa's replacement, but exactly who do Everton need to get them through this tricky spell? We'll try to find all the answers on today's podcast. Welcome to The Dugout from Sports Social, the Premier League show featuring former professional players and alongside me today former Arsenal and Manchester City striker Paul Dickov. How's it going, Paul? Yeah, all good, thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And former Everton and Burnley winger Trevor Stephen. How about you, Trev? How's things? Very good, thanks. Now, I'm freezing. Uh, in <laughs> London today, it is Baltic. You're from the I'm North glad East. To be indoors. I'm glad to be indoors now, honestly, out of the drafty streets of London. Paul's not complaining about the cold. It's tropical coming from Scotland. Don't worry about that. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a coat on. He's got a coat on in his house, in his kitchen. <laughs> Enough about the cold. We need to talk about the Premier League and, of course, a couple of huge games taking place this weekend. The pick for me is at Stamford Bridge where Chelsea welcome Tottenham. It's a 4.30 kickoff Sunday afternoon, one of the biggest games of the weekend for me. Uh, London derbies between these two are always lively. But given the ingredients we've got, Paul, Spurs chasing Chelsea down in the top four. You know, the combustible elements on the touchline with Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte. It's got all the makings for me of a really good game. Yeah, it has. I think it'll be quite a feisty game as well. You know, over um, the past few years, um, whenever they've played each other, there's, there's, obviously it's a London derby, but I think since Chelsea stopped Tottenham winning the league a few years ago, you know, in that famous game at the bridge, and there's been a bit more rivalry between the fans and, and the players as well, and, and both clubs in general. So, you know, Tottenham and Premier League on a, a great run of form. And Chelsea actually struggling a little bit, which which has surprised me. You know, and the, um, the other night there against Brighton, they, they sort of struggled for a lot of the time, you know, against a very good Brighton team. Um, but at the same time, they have got the players and the squad to get back on track very, very quickly. Thomas Tuchel says it's tiredness, Paul. I mean, have you been able to put your finger on it? Because if the gaffer can't, then it's kind of hard for everyone else to, to figure out what's going wrong with Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, I don't think it's tiredness. That never never sort of washed with me when I played or, or when I managed or, or even now. You know, I think it's... If you're winning games and, you know, Trevor will tell you and you're doing well and you've been very, very successful and confidence is high, you never get tired, no matter how many games that you're playing. When you're not picking up results... You know, I think tiredness can be a little bit of an excuse. And, you know, I think if you start, if you start coming out and telling players that they're tired, especially nowadays, they'll start believing that they are. Um, big factor for me is it's not tiredness or the amount of games. It's um, the two wing-backs that have been missing, you know, in Chilwell and especially Rhys James. I think they've been outstanding for them, or paramount to how Thomas Tuchel wants to play. Um, with the wing-backs pushing on, pushing defences back and not just doing that, but creating and scoring goals as well, you know, from wide areas. And since they've been out of the team, they've really struggled with that, but they've struggled defensively as well, you know, conceding a lot of goals, which you normally wouldn't put down to a Thomas Tuchel team, especially when he first came in last season. 
Is that something that you'd agree with, Trevor? Firstly, in terms of the tiredness element and secondly, in terms of why Chelsea have been off the boil a little bit lately? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Paul is calling it right, as far as I can see. Um, yeah, as he says, if you if you keep reaffirming something to players, and it'll soon sink into them and they will perform accordingly. And I think uh, there's a touch of that um, with Chelsea. But there's also, there was a fact that they have played a lot of games and uh, I think the Premier League in itself has become a better standard, generally um, running deeper. Uh, so, you know, there's no, absolutely no no easy games um, to, to play whatsoever. Uh, and he's right about the wing-backs. You know, that's been a, a key element. Those two players, recent uh, uh, and Chilwell, have been... Uh, not only creating goals, but scoring goals. And then you throw in the other thing, which seems to, if you track it back, is the Romelu Lukaku issue where, you know, he's, he's throwing the toys out of the pram because he's not as happy at Chelsea as he, as he would like to be in a perfect world. That, that's just another little ingredient that distracts. And so, so they've got these things that are, are, are nibbling away at their confidence. And they're, they're not playing with the, uh, the freedom or the, or the fluency that they shown, you know, leading up to this period. But they have a great squad of players and, and they, they need to come back. But this is a, a really big game for them. Um, you know, particularly they've got home advantage, of course. But, uh, you know, what, what Conte is doing at Tottenham, is, you know, we're, we're going to go on and discuss that, is, is, uh, is commendable, it's terrific. Um, yeah, so Chelsea have just lost that, People are not fearing them at this stage in the season like they, they were doing because they were a well-oiled machine with a cutting edge. And no matter what you threw at them, they defend extremely well. And if you go back again, the defensive um, uh, foundations that they, were, that they were absolutely secure early in the season have become a little bit frail. That drains your confidence as well. So massive game. Uh, they, need to, they need a result. They need to take... Uh, that home advantage and make it count. Uh, but this Tottenham side is, is uh, under Antonio Conte it, it is it's something different, isn't it? We'll be waiting to see if this can happen and it is happening with them. Mm, we'll talk about Conte a bit more in a sec, but just kind of on this game in context, in terms of what happened midweek with Spurs somehow beating Leicester 3-2 with two goals in 79 seconds from Stephen Bergvine at the death. Just absolutely remarkable stuff. Do you think that the momentum is now firmly with Spurs, Paul, considering the games in hand that they've got and the form that we've already mentioned when it comes to Chelsea? Yeah, I think momentum's with them. I still put Chelsea down as favourites um, to win the game at the weekend. But, you know, since Antonio Conte's came in, he's done an amazing job. You know, you need an elite manager sometimes. Um, and... You know, I think to, to be unbeaten since he's come in in the Premier League is is fantastic. When I mean, you consider the size of squad that they've got as well, you know, they're talking about Chelsea's squad there. You know, I think if Tottenham lose one or two players, that they might really struggle. You know, I know Son's been out the other um, the last couple of games, which is a big blow for them, but they've managed with that. But you just feel that the, the strength and depth that Chelsea will have at the weekend to come off the bench um, might give them the edge a little bit, but. Tottenham being fantastic. Harry Kane, more than anything else, was outstanding in the Leicester game. You know, and he's he's back on form. He's back looking sharp. He's back leading the line, and I think that's something that Conte's probably spoke to him about. He's not coming as deep as he was, you know, last season and the beginning of this season um, under Nuno. 
and I just feel that he's he's got that striker's instincts back because he's he's been told to play more as an out and out centre forward and he's got Lucas Moras came up to the fore as well, you know, was in and out previously. He's benefiting of getting a run of games. And more than anything else, I know they conceded two the other night there defensively. You know, Conte knows how to get his team um, being very, very hard to beat, very structured, very disciplined. They're running more than they ever have done. And that's got to come down from, from the manager and the standards that he's setting as well. So I think it's going to be a great game on Sunday. Um, but momentum will be with Tottenham. Because Trevor will tell you as well, when you win a game, any game in the last minute, the buzz in the changing room afterwards, the, the travel back and training the next day leading up to the next game, you, you can't beat it. Mm. You know, it's, you would love to win every game 3-0 and be comfortable. But when you win a big game like that, that they possibly needed to win to keep in touch with the top four. Mm. That momentum and the confidence from that could, can take you so much further. You could probably even double that feeling considering they would have felt like that even if they had got the draw, seeing as the, the equaliser was so late. But to then go on and win the game... I mean, we talk about mentality under Conte, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying there, Paul. And, you know, talking of the statistics going into this game, Tottenham now haven't lost a league game since October. And I still get this feeling, Trevor, that we're still yet to see the full Antonio Conte effect on that Tottenham team. So it's exciting things if you're a Spurs fan, because there could be more to come. I, th- I think we've seen the effect. I don't think we've seen, um, you know, what, what he's going to be capable of over a longer period when he gets a couple of transfer windows under his belt. Well, we've definitely seen the effect uh, without, without any question. And Paul's right, the momentum that is gained on the back of that result. Apparently, I didn't see the game, but they, from what I've read and what I've um, heard is that they played very, very well. Uh, so they, it's not only a result, but they've got a performance behind them as well and got their just rewards, albeit in, a, in an unusual fashion right at the end of the game. So if I'm in that squad going to Chelsea, I'm feeling no pressure. I'm feeling, bring it on. Let's get this game. Let's go and get there. They're a bit wounded. And it's coming at a fantastic time. If they'd have got beat against Leicester, it'd be a completely different story to talk about. But momentum is back. Kane scoring. Uh, I, I, I love the way that, um, that, that Conte is uh, so passionate and obviously passionate about his team. I really, to me, that's quite thrilling. You know, if I'm a player, uh, I, I would love that. I know he's meant to be tough and he's meant to be um, this, that and the other. But for me, he's, he's got clarity about his management style. And um, only the best is really good enough as far as he's concerned. You know, he's, he's, he's changed it around dramatically. You know, how far they're running, how many tackles they're winning, all of these different things, and different data points, you know, through a football match. And... Um, it's it's working effectively. Tottenham go to Chelsea with a great belief to to to, to get a result. I don't think they're good enough. But though, by the way, you know they don't hold on to the ball well enough for me. They're, they're not a great possession side, but Chelsea are. Uh, so they're, they're going to have to find a way to win. But I think they will believe that they can, which is a which is a key element to it. Yeah, we've already come a long way from Conte banning the ketchup. So I think that Tottenham fans will will see the the fruits of those labours pretty soon definitely when it comes to this top four race which is looking really exciting I mean you've picked Chelsea as favourites with that home advantage Paul I personally think that the Blues are just too strong to give up their top four place I think City Liverpool Chelsea will be the top three in the Premier League and then take your pick for fourth but if they do lose to Tottenham at the weekend I'll start seriously questioning whether they can 
hold on to a top four spot because we know what bad form can be like in the Premier League. Once that rot sets in, it's really hard to get rid of. Is that something that you'd agree with? Yeah, a little bit. But I just I look at their squad and once they start getting the players back in and then they get them up to fully strength, and I think that they'll have more than enough to finish in not just the top four but the top three. Um, you know, they are in a bad run of form, but they've got a top, top manager. And they've also got players in there with a lot of experience who will know how to handle the situation, you know. Players that will want to have success, you know, look at Tiago Silva for a start, you know. Um, he's been outstanding since he's come in. And then you go right through the team. I think Mende as well coming back in the next few weeks from the African Nations, he's been huge for them. Uh, so I, I just feel that from now to the end of the season, once they start getting the players back in and get their squad fully fit, um, and getting Lukaku, you know, Trevor made a great point about Lukaku before. You get him firing again, um, you know, the, he's, he's one of the top strikers, not just in the Premier League, but in Europe. You know, you need to find a way for that to happen. For me, Lukaku at the minute looks a little bit like the Lukaku that was at Man United. You know, it looks a little bit short of confidence. It looks a little bit heavy again coming back from his... Um, well, from his injury and then the problems that they had, you know. And you look at Lukaku now and you look at him at the start of the season... You know, it was a different beast altogether, as in mentality and, and physically as well. If you get him back on that, and then you've got the likes of Ziyech, you've got Mount, you've got all the creativity in, in and around him, saying get the two wing-backs back, I think I think Chelsea will comfortably finish in the top four, regardless of the result of the weekend. You're a striker, pool, so with Lukaku, just take one goal? Is that the sort of thing, or a good performance, or is it just simply goals? Yeah, I think a bit of both, really. You know, I think first and foremost, you've got to get your performance right, but... You know, the top goal scorers, even when they're not playing well, you know, have the knack of, of bobbing up and scoring important goals. So sometimes when you've had a little bit of a bad run, um, whether it be on, off the pitch or both, you know, you need that little bit of luck in front of goal as well. And I'm sure that um, once he gets back on it again, um, that he'll be a big part in, in where Chelsea finish this season. I'm finding it hard to do a score prediction for this one, Trevor. I won't ask you to do the same because I, I don't think that's too fair. But if you were to pick a a result in terms of win, lose or draw for either side, what would you go with? I'd go, I'd go with Chelsea, you know, the, the, the Premier League, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint and, and what you need in, in the, the marathon of it is quality and depth of quality. Uh, I don't think Tottenham have got to that stage where they've got a level of consistency about their performances so you, they can dip um Unexpectedly, but they've been getting results, which is which has been a key element. Whereas Chelsea do have, I mean, they're pleasing on the eye, aren't they, Chelsea? You know, they do keep the ball exceptionally well. They've got great triangles. They've got pace. They've got strength. Um, as we go back to the the story at the start, and uh, Paul brought it up about Reese, and uh, and Chilwell. It's a dimension that that's weakened in recent weeks because they're not there. But I, I just think this is a a, a must win. I think uh, for for Chelsea in the minds of the players and and, and Thomas Tuchel, uh, so they'll be geared towards that. But you know, it's it's one to look forward to because Tottenham at the moment can um, put a performance together that that will, will surprise us. I think or could surprise us, but we just don't know if we're going to get it. Uh, and, and the thing is, that, well, a great indicator for me is, is, is Harry Kane and his performances during the game. I've seen so many matches this season where he, he's not looked like himself. He's hardly, he's barely there in some games. But in the last two or three weeks, has been a different story. 
and, um, and that could be you know absolutely crucial to Tottenham's hopes between now and then. But definitely a Chelsea a Chelsea home win if I was a betting man. Well, we'll watch with interest and wait and see what happens. Massive game in the context of the top four. Chelsea against Tottenham at Stamford Bridge Sunday half four kickoff. It's not the only game with top four implications either this weekend. Manchester United have a big game at Old Trafford as they welcome David Moyes West Ham to the Theatre of Dreams. That game kicks off Saturday, three o'clock. We'll talk about it after this here on The Dugout. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is The Dugout, the podcast from Sports Social with a new episode every single day of the season. Today, I'm joined by former Arsenal and Man City striker Paul Dickov and ex-Marseille Rangers and Everton winger Trevor Stephen. And we're going to talk now about Manchester United's home game against West Ham, which much like Chelsea against Tottenham, which we've already discussed, has huge Champions League implications when it comes to playing elite level club football in Europe next season. United are at home. We've discussed home advantage when it comes to Chelsea, Paul. Do you think that the same applies here with uh, the game against West Ham for Ralph Rangnick's side? Uh, I don't I don't know, actually. You know, United's record over the past 18 months, whether it be under Ollie or, or Rangnick, it's, it's been better away from home than it has been at Old Trafford. You know, and I think their performance against Brentford the other night, their second half, you know, I thought they were pretty awful in the first half, if I'm being honest. Um shows that they have got quality and maybe the way they play they are suited a little bit more to playing away from home you know they have struggled at Old Trafford um, why that is I, I don't know but I just look at the quality that they've got in the team going forward and they will always score goals but the big problem for me is is defensively you know they're conceding they look as if they're going to concede you know if it hadn't been for David De Gea in recent weeks some of the results might have been a lot worse than what they were um, but in saying that I think they've only lost once under Ralph, you know, regardless of what the performances have been. So you can say they do know they do know how to, to grind out a result, but I, I still can't see any fluidity in how they're playing from back to front. You know, it seems a little bit like um, he's putting a system out there, he's putting a formation out there, but once they're out there, the players, some of the players seem to be doing what they want, which is causing them a big problem. Yeah, I've described him on the show before as Jekyll and Hyde. Paul is that fair I, th- I feel like we saw that kind of encapsulated in that Brentford game where the first half was terrible and the second half was excellent it wasn't you know I know we're going to West Ham in a bit but I was watching the game last night and I'm, I was thinking ahead knowing that we're going to do this and I thought if Brentford had an it's easy to say if they'd have McKen- Antonio you know or a Jared Bowen or a Lanzini or somebody like that in their team it would have been 3-0 at half time quite easily and I know De Gea was made three or four really good saves, but there were saves that you would expect them to make because they were always in and around them. But if Brentford had been more clinical the other night there, United could have been in big trouble. But then the second half, whatever Ralph said to them at half-time, they came out with a much better tempo. You know, they were quicker, not just with the ball, but off the ball as impressing Brentford and caused them all sorts of mistakes. So then Jekyll and Hayes probably probably the best way to put it at the minute. I wanted to ask Trevor about Cristiano Ronaldo because no matter what he does, whether it's scoring goals or gesturing on the pitch or whatever it might be, there's always a news article that follows. And when he was subbed off by Rangnick against Brentford midweek, that came on 70 minutes. The team was 2-0 up at the time, but it's fair to say he threw a bit of a, a sulk because of it. What sort of a message does that send, do you think? Is it a positive one because he's passionate and he cares? Or is it the opposite of that, do you think? Do you think it sends more negative vibes than it does positive? 
no, it's not. It's negative. Um, but you know, it's understandable coming from Ronaldo, right? Because he's he's old. He's right he's in footballing terms. Um, he's only got so he's so desperate to make records and score goals. Uh, he, he's totally um, so, so immersed in what he wants to achieve mm. uh, ind- individually, yeah. without a doubt. I know he wants Man United to do well because, of course, that can reflect on him and, and, and how he plays it as well. But he, he is primarily about about Ronaldo, um, and coming coming off like that, it's not it's not great. But I understand it because I know what he is. Yeah, he's, I mean, if it was nil nil, I I totally yeah. agree with you. But the fact that it was two nil to United at the time made me think, well, what, what what's he doing that for? The team. No, that's, that's a sensible. That's a sensible managerial choice of a thirty six year old. But Ronaldo's looking at it and it's gone. You know, the game's opening up now. I'm, I'm going to get chances here to, to add to my tally. And that makes me feel better, look better. And um, this is what I'm all about. It's why I'm here. So I, I, don't, I didn't like it. I thought Ranić um, post-match has dealt with it brilliantly. Uh, he's, he's made um, it very clear why. And he didn't, in fact, tell Ronaldo why. Um that you know, if Ronaldo in two years' time he's going to have to be a manager, he would see it in a different light because he's mm-hmm. Ranić's trying to look after the squad and and make sure that there's um, you know, that, that the team can play well with the players fit over a longer period. I.e., you're going to get you know more points in the bag. I totally get that, but I'm just looking at it. It looks a little bit. You know, not together. And mm-hmm. there's but there's no doubt. You know, Manchester United are, are a disjointed. Uh, almost dysfunctional at times team they can be really really poor like they were in the first half and then a moment can change them when the game the game starts to spread a little bit and it happens in the second half it spreads a little bit um, Brentford are pushing Man United take advantage of a moment and you know the goal comes from Malanga uh, you know it was brilliantly taken it could have quite easily not ended up in a goal, and it is, but that changes the game and it changes the whole feel amongst that Manchester United team. Now, they're a confidence team to me. You know, when it's going well, they look good, but when it's not, they look as if they haven't really got much idea as to how they're going to break a team down or, or keep the ball or, or, or make things, make chances happen. Um, so they've got quality in their team. I think the big plus for them last night was Greenwood and Rashford scoring. Because these guys have not been able to hit the back of the net for such a long time, and that's hit their confidence. So there's a lot of positives have come out of the result, the performance, no, but the result, yes, for Manchester United going forward. So I don't think they're a better team than West Ham, though. If you're looking forward to this, you know, to the game against uh, West, I don't think they're a better side than West Ham. So there's a lot of uh, evenness about about the tie, but United, Man United will be feeling quite good and quite motivated and on the front foot because of those guys getting back on the score sheet. In terms of West Ham, David Moyes will be bringing his West Ham side to Old Trafford, Paul. It's a place that I was going to say he knows well, but I guess he he doesn't feel like he knows it well enough because he often talks about how he feels he should have been given more time when he was Manchester United manager. With that in mind, how determined or extra determined do you think he will be to get a full allocation of points with this West Ham side this weekend? 
I think knowing David, as, as we all do, he'll be determined anyway. It won't be anything to do with um, his time at Manchester United. You know, he's been back there with West Ham already. He's played against United um, as West Ham manager quite a few times now. So I don't think he'll be using that as any motivation for his team. I think maybe deep, deep down, there will still be part of him that will hurt, that will feel that he, he got the raw end of the straw. You know, whoever took over um, from Sir Alex was on a hiding to nothing. I don't you could have put any manager in there. And it was going to be a tough, tough ask. And, you know, David took it on. It didn't work out. Um, but you've got to admire what he's done at West Ham. You know, sitting in fourth place with a real, real chance of getting a Champions League place um, already in Europe. And Europa League doing really well. And he's building a squad that's really, really competitive. You know, and playing really good football. Um, they are they have struggled defensively um, with Agbona and Zuma being out. Um, you know, they were two massive players for them. But you've got to say, they looked a stage um, maybe about a week, well, a month, six weeks ago, where the rails might be coming off a little bit. Um, and, you know, there was always this talk the first half of the season, how they are going to get top four, and then people are thinking, are they going to finish in the top six or seven? But they've turned it around, you know, and the one thing they are, which, which I think is a big worry for Manchester United at the weekend, is they're a very, very good team going forward. You know, they create a lot of chances. Um, they're unbelievably good at set pieces you know they've a lot of height a lot of strength in the team as well they've got good delivery um, and you know you look in that first half the other night there against Brentford you know Manchester United struggled um, from set pieces from long throws and everything else so um, I think it's going to be a tough game um, and I think David quietly will be going there feeling confident that they can pick up three points if not a result you mentioned West Ham going forward, Paul, and Jared Bowen's been key to that, I think, Trevor, in terms of their success at the top end of the pitch. How much attraction do you think will be uh, buzzing around Jared Bowen from an England perspective? I'm sure Gareth Southgate would have been keeping a close eye on his performances because in terms of the statistics, the numbers and the old-fashioned eye test, he seems to be doing all the right things to warrant a possible England call-up in the near future. Mm -hmm. he's, he's done great. Um... He affects football matches, uh, Jared Bourne, but it's, it's the rate that he's adapted to the step up uh, has impressed me. Um, I had to feel his way in a little bit early on, but he's, he's in a run of form that uh, is the perfect scenario as a player. It's where you want to be, it's where you just can't wait to get on the field and, and um, get involved in the football matches. He's, he's very he's very smart. He's quick. He's got great feet. He's obviously got a, a great left foot. He's brave. He gets into into the six yard box. Um, he's scoring with his head. He's, you know, he, he's he's making chances as well. Uh, he, he's um, do you know he's got a little bit of the more salary about him. You know, he's got that. He drifts with the ball. He takes people on. And uh, he's a little bit, a little bit different, you know, from what is actually uh, in the England squad at the moment. Of course, you probably sort of be lining them up, um, you know, when you've got to line them up against your, your Phil Fordens of this world, you know. And, and when Mason Greenwood was in in the uh, in the England team, it, it's that kind of uh, those kind of players. I've been thoroughly impressed with him and he looks like he's here for the long term and you do worry that, that you know, players get into the England squad a little bit too quickly uh, at times but I think Jared Bourne has actually served his time a little bit that 
uh, or sufficiently as to not just have six great games or six good games and then be be considered for the England squad. I think if he does get in, he's merited it over you know a good stretch of time through last season and through this season. His standards have been really, really high. Difficult to play against. He's, he's a um, he's a jack in the box. You know, he, he's always on the go. He's always looking to turn defences as well, looking for space. Uh, and he's good with his final delivery in the last third. You know, a lot of players let themselves down with their, their quality in the last third. And he, he's definitely got that uh, that in his armoury as well. So, mm. yeah, it's not, it's not wrong that he's been talked about at all in, in England, uh, in the England discussion. Uh, and uh, I'm sure David Moyes is delighted. I think if he's not in the side, he'd be a big miss to West Ham, put it that way. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said there about Jared Bowen. There was one moment that stood out for me recently, though. It was that game against Leeds in which West Ham were beaten. And it was late on in the game and the ball came across the box to him and he decided to try and finish it by chesting it in the goal. And he got it totally wrong and it went over the top when what he really needed to do was just head the ball in the goal. Was it because he was overconfident, super confident, or, or did he just misread the, the flight a little bit? But, you know, 99 times out of 100, a striker, Paul would tell you, would, would be knocking that into his head and just, you know, running back to the halfway line with your hands in the air. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was just a bad choice uh, and it cost them, didn't it? I just wonder if that's going to affect their them a little bit confidence-wise that they're going into this uh, this Man U game on the back of a defeat, a home defeat. Mm. Paul didn't miss those. He would have buried that. I was never in the position. I wouldn't have <laughs> headed it either. Trust me on that. I didn't get many headers. <laughs> You'd have been in the net somewhere. Um, talking <laughs> of missing, uh, who's going to miss out on the top four if you had to pick between these two teams? Paul, at the moment, West Ham are in the pole position there. You know, in there with the best shout, but of course, there's still a long way to go this season. So, if you had to kind of pick one side that would finish and one that wouldn't in the top four, who would you go with? I think at the minute, and I'll probably get battered off Man United fans for this. I think if I was going to um, pick one, team <laughs> are you not used two, to that already? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, standard that is. Um, but I think I would have to go with West Ham. I just think they're, they're more, they're much more of a unit, much more of a team at the minute. Um, They've got a style of play that every single player knows. Um, and they, they have got a little bit of quality and depth. Now as well, a little bit of strength and depth. And I just think that the pressure's on. You know, we're talking about Tottenham before. We're talking about Man United now. We're sort of looking at Arsenal all pushing in. The pressure's on all these big clubs to get that fourth place. Whereas West Ham, they, they can sort of relax a little bit and enjoy it a little bit more. You know, because I don't think, even now, if you're looking at it, if we had to pick... Two out of Chelsea, uh, Tottenham, West Ham, Man United, even throw Arsenal in the mix there, that West Ham would be in there. You know, everybody else would be thinking it's got to be two out of the other four or five. Whereas West Ham, they're, they're enjoying a fantastic season. They look as if they're enjoying their football. Do you know, it, it, it's, the, it's, the big, it's the big talking point this season, isn't it? You've got, you've just reeled off four names there. And depending on what happens from here on in, you know, we can't predict it because anything could happen. I would say that Chelsea are going to be up there. I, w- I would say that they're, they're, they've got too much. But the other position for me, Tottenham are definitely in there. Um, and, and Man United have to get better. Uh, and can West Ham get maybe a couple of a player back or two as well, just to give them that depth that they're going to need when you get into April, when you know players are on their last legs. But definitely it's an exciting and yeah. one of the most exciting runs into that fourth spot. It's funny we're talking about it in the manner that we are, really, because, you know, back in 
back in the day, you know, getting in the Champions League wasn't a, it was an achievement, no doubt. But now we're talking about it as if there's some sort of silverware at the end of it, you know, when actually it is just finishing fourth best in the league and you get to play Champions League the next season. So it's like it's it talks a badge of honour now for a manager and for and for, for players, isn't it? You know, that's that's what you're looking for. Obviously, it's great financially for for your club, but mm. it's great for the players because they they elevate themselves. And the manager, he's qualified, he's signed for uh, for Champions League. These are all things that count within the game of football now. Mm. One for the CV, for sure. I think for the fans as well. You know, imagine if West Ham did, for whatever reason, yeah. be able to do it, to start seeing the big European clubs, whether it be a Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, you know, coming every couple of weeks down to the London Stadium. You know, so the, the whole package is there for them all. You know, the top players, top managers and all the fans, they want to play at the highest level and that, and that is the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely with you. And with Tottenham playing Chelsea, as we've already discussed, this game takes on big significance when it comes to the Premier League's top four. Manchester United versus West Ham is a Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Everton are also in action this weekend. They take on Aston Villa, but as much as they would have liked to at the start of the season, they aren't in the top four picture. We'll talk about them and their struggles after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Welcome back to The Dugout. I'm Niall. Paul Dickov and Trevor Stephen are with me and we're going to talk about one of Trevor's old clubs now, Everton. Now, Trevor, you were a title winner with Everton, but it's fair to say that since those heady days in the 80s, it hasn't quite been as successful a period for the Toffees, particularly recently where things have really taken a bit of a turn for the worse. Rafa Benitez was appointed manager to replace Ancelotti at the start of the season, but he's since been sacked after an adverse result to Norwich City at the weekend where they were beaten. I feel that Benitez's stay was a bit of a shambles all round by the first couple of weeks in which he got some good results. How important is it for you as an Evertonian that the club gets this next appointment right? Because it feels like with all the fallout around Benitez, they need to get it spot on this time. Because the club is in crisis. You know, without a doubt, it's in crisis and they're in a relegation battle. It's a time. It's where we are in the season. Uh, of course, as you said, that the Benitez uh, reign always looked doomed from the start. Uh, he would always have to be winning more than he lost and, and have Everton up in an unrealistic position in the league, even just to be accepted. So it's gone wrong. It's gone wrong at a period of time in the season where we've got this window left, 14 games or whatever it is, and no form, no confidence, no backroom staff as experienced backroom staff at first-team football level. Mm. Um, no director no, of football, no, director, no, no head director. of medical. Uh, it, when, when, when does it end? You know, uh, it will be a crisis. Now, there has to be this and has been the appointment of Duncan Ferguson in the interim. And I was 100% for that. He's done it before. Uh, I can't say that he's a, a brilliant manager or not, but I know he's going to get a reaction. And what we need at the moment is some points on the board and and some performances with backbone and um, drive and playing for the badge and playing for the club. And, and that's just not been there. There's been a complete disconnect between Benitez and that group of players. In that first few weeks of the season, the relationship was so new that it, it, it worked. It fell into place. Uh, anything can happen in that first 
um, first few weeks of the season and how many managers said it's early in the season talk to me in November and then we'll have a look at the at, at, the, at the league and see who's who's what and that's how it works out all the time generally so Everton were in a false position they are where they are and they are really really struggling on all fronts so um, Duncan going in there he's going to take um, Nick Baines and John Ebrill I believe uh, and, and create something for the short term. I think Duncan, though, wants it for the longer term. He, uh, he would definitely, he's got that opportunity. Let's, mm. the next five, six games, which are absolutely vital. First games against uh, Aston Villa, uh, well, first home game is going to be against uh, Aston Villa. Yeah, I think a, a toughie for him, obviously, but Crystal Palace at the weekend, that's another tough one for him, uh, an away fixture. But I tell you what, going to Crystal Palace, he can. Um, do a backs against the wall battle like a, the Alamo kind of thing, you know, the, the, the performance. He's not expected to go there and dominate the game, but the team needs to battle it out. They they need not to get beat. I'm telling you, they need not to get beat to get in this match because that would just that would take the the, the wind out of the sails of you know Duncan's reappointment as that interim manager. It's a mess though, mate. Honestly, I can tell. I want to ask a little bit more about Big Dunk, but I'll do that in a sec. I guess kind of building off of the word that you used, Trevor, which was disconnect. You know, do you think that the way that Rafa's tenure unfolded, Paul, that that disconnect means that it's more likely Big Dunk or Wayne Rooney, a more populist choice, I suppose you could say. Do you think that that'll be the way they go down just purely because that relationship between players and manager, club and fans has been so tarnished? Uh, but personally, um, you know, you never know what owners are thinking nowadays. Um, but personally, I would like to see that. I know Trevor's a lot closer to it. Um, I'm sort of the outside looking in. But I think somebody like Duncan or the job that Wayne's done at Derby has been phenomenal. You know, I know only a short spell there as, as a player, but I'm still quite close to some of the people down there. I know some of the players, and they love playing for Wayne. You know, he's he's respected 100%. He's getting the best out of. And I don't mean this disrespect because I've, I've got mates there who are playing. He's getting the best out of a bad bunch at the minute when everything you could think of has been thrown at him, and he's he's came through it. And you know, just to reiterate what Trevor was saying, I've, I've, I've said on this show before, um, especially when Trevor's been on it, that there is no better atmosphere in England than when Goodison Park is jumping. You know, and I think first and foremost, somebody like Big Dunk is has to get the fans on side, which I think he will do initially. And the Everton fans, they're good fans, you know. Even the, I think they'll forgive um, people maybe not having the best performances or maybe not being the most talented. But if they see their team going out there and throwing everything at it, and you know, throwing everything for the shot, that the fans will back them, and and the response you can get from that as a team is is amazing, you know. And I sort of laughed the other day, not laughed. I thought it was a really good comment from Duncan in his interview that he done when he said that um, they asked what he wanted from the players, and then. He's, he just said, play like a fan. Now, people might think that's really old school, but the, the Everton fans, they, they want to see that. They, they want to see a team out there that's going to give everything for the shirt, give everything for Everton Football Club, and, and they will back them. And, you know, going into the game and the Villa game at the weekend at Goodison Park, I, I can only see one winner, and that's Everton, because Big Dunk's going to be in the touchline. The fans are going to be massively up for it, and they're going to make it really difficult for Aston Villa to, to go there and play against them. But don't you think, uh, Paul, that... Um, it, it, this was actually an easy it was the right decision but it was an easy decision because of there's not there's no time for someone to come in and be bedded in or try to to, to work with the players 
and 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 get that reaction immediately because that is it's such a crisis that it needs to happen and happen now you know which is a massive amount of pressure on Duncan for 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 sure but he can he can handle that but then he's got to get that get that response from his players and to guarantee that those players are going to be give, given beyond themselves for Duncan with a new manager coming in and trying to get his ideas etc cetera, etc cetera, that, that we don't have time for that so the Duncan it was almost inevitable, don't you feel? It makes sense. And you said the disconnect between the, the fans, the players, the board, the, the, everything about it. And, you know, the, the one thing, Duncan, I think it would be interesting, Trevor, and, I mean, to see what sort of team Duncan picks at the weekend. Because I could imagine, uh, look, I've not spoke to the big man for a long time, but I could imagine him sitting watching some of the performances of the players and absolutely tearing his hair out. But there wouldn't have been a lot he could have done about it, you know, because Rafa was the manager. So I, I really think that, um, Duncan will put a team out there that first and foremost is going to be all about attitude and mentality and I think there might be quite a few changes in that team f- from what he would have seen and wouldn't have liked at all in previous performances. Well talking a big Dunk, what's he actually like then as a, as a character? I think lots of people have their thoughts and their ideas of him from the outside looking in but I believe I'm right in thinking you both know him. I'm pretty sure you might have played with him at Rangers, Trevor. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but um, what's he like as a as a character? You know, someone that you obviously you guys both know. You know, I have my idea of what I think Big Dunk is like because you hear all the stories and the anecdotes and stuff, and you see his antics on the touchline. What is he actually like as a character from your experience? I've known him since uh, he came into to Rangers as a as a twenty year old. I think he was. I think he was bought for about four million um, by Rangers from Dundee United, and he was a big he was a big character already in Scottish football. But he was attracting the wrong kind of headlines uh, alongside the good stuff, which was the footballing side. Um, and unbelievable in the air, just aggressive. He, played, he was an aggressive footballer. Uh, he did have his aggressive aggressivity and his personality was used to get him into trouble um, off the field. But when he came into the dressing room, uh, he, he didn't shirk anything. He was mm. put in his place a few times, by the way, uh, by one or two of the, of the more senior. Um, if he was overstepping, Mark Haley had a, had a bit of a, 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 a tete a tete with him. Uh, he was tough point. and all, though, wasn't he, Mark oh, Haley? Goodness me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sparks were flying. But Duncan's a toughie, right? He's, he's uh, and he's not changed. Um, he's kind of, you know, he's been in England such a long, long time, but he's as broad Scottish as you can get. He's still dyed in the wool Scott. Uh, he doesn't. He, he does not forgo that. He would will not give that up. He is who he is, and so mm-hmm. it, it does what it, he does what he says on the can, right on the tin. Yeah. It, he's uh, he's all in, one hundred percent. Loves the club. Um, will not allow anyone not to give as much as as the fans on the terrace would give, uh, giving you giving your all for every everything. What what needs to be what needs to be uh, discovered is how how he can get his skills over on the longer term, you know, beyond the interim period. But yeah, he's a he's a strong strong character. I don't know if you've seen it, but I love that video of him stood at Goodison Park telling that young lad to finish his homework, otherwise he'd be round there giving him, kicking seven bells out of him. It's just absolutely brilliant. And um, you were involved in quite a famous game um, where you played against each other, Paul. Am I right in thinking, was it Leicester against Everton and he got himself sent off in about four minutes or two yellow cards in four minutes or something like that? 
Yeah, it was two yellow cards, but both of them should have been a red, and it would have been a red <laughs> nowadays. Um, but the one thing he didn't do, look, I was quite competitive on the pitch, but um, when Big Dunk lost it, I made sure I was so far away from it as I possibly could, because he didn't, he didn't want to be in the firing line for that. But just just reiterate everything that Trevor said about him, and you know, adding anything else to that, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve as as a person first and foremost. He did as a player, and now he's doing it as a coach and a manager. You know, and um, he's mm. a winner. Um, he's a tough guy, and he, he won't put up with any nonsense. But going back to that Leicester game, you know, he grabbed uh, I think it was Stefan Freund round the neck, and it was like a cartoon. Yeah. We, we used to there was a bit of banter afterwards because when he grabbed Stefan's neck, it was like as if his head extended and his body went down the other way. It was like <laughs> something out of a big cartoon. <laughs> but um, but no, the proper character. But as I said, a really good guy as well. Yeah, so I'd like to see. I'd like to see him do well as well, you know, because mm, he's been yeah. around there and he's, uh, yeah. you know, he's been obviously he's good at his job because some great managers have have worked with him and he must have learned so much. And as you said, he's been bottling up. Now he can let let us all see what he thinks, what he can do, um, and hopefully for Evertonians get start to get some results to get the club back to where it, or towards where it should be. Big Dunk has got the role on an interim basis at the moment. He's caretaker manager of Everton. Paul, you highlighted Wayne Rooney earlier on. Uh, Frank Lampard, Roberto Martinez, Graham Potter, all other names that have been rumoured to be linked with this Everton vacancy. Do you think there's anyone that is possibly being overlooked for the position or is that about right, do you think, in terms of, of the names that we've been seeing linked to the role? Yeah, no, I think it's about right. You know, when you, you see... Um... When you see a bookie's list of names that are in for the job, they're usually not far from from wrong, um, from the names that are on there and, and who they're picking. Uh, for me, for me personally, I would like to see that, and maybe it's a bit of the old school. I know we spoke about Duncan Wayne. It's somebody that's got a real affinity with the club, um, but not just somebody that's got the affinity there, because that can only that can only last so long um, before it starts to get get that disconnect again. Um, but it's got well, first and foremost, it's got to be somebody that's right for the job and knows what they're going into. Um, and I, I genuinely believe, just purely personal opinion, I'd like that to either be Wayne or I'd love to see Duncan to get his chance to have a right good go at it, apparently. It's absolutely right. And Everton in, in particular need, at this moment in time, more than ever, that affinity to the club element, which, which you get with Duncan, you certainly get with Wayne Rooney. I've just checked the long list with the bookies and I can't see your name on there, Trevor. So... <laughs> You want you're to stay not, away from that a... management lark, honestly. It's not good for you. <laughs> On the face of it, they look like brilliant jobs, but my goodness, they're, they're all consuming, aren't they? Uh, probably more than ever. And um, probably, you know, Paul, you, you've managed and, and could talk better about it than me, but goodness me, it's a, it's a complete life commitment, um, you know, from the guys who take these jobs on. Well paid, yeah, certainly at the top, top level. Um, but, you know, I take my hat off to all managers at, at, at all levels. I think it's fair to say Paul wouldn't be doing it again. No. Nope. <laughs> Stepping into management. Been there, seen it, done it, and wasn't very good at it either. So I'll save myself at that. <laughs> well, Everton effectively have a massive task on their hands. No real backroom staff at all, as we say. No technical director either. It's a massive job for whoever does come in. I wonder if it will be big dunk on a permanent basis. Great to get the thoughts of Paul Dickoff and Trevor Stephen on today's dugout. Don't forget, we are the only Premier League show with a new podcast that drops every single day of the season. So if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss one my thanks to paul and trevor that's it from us today on the dugout and we'll catch you next time the dugout premier league preview football social daily